I am just checking in, and we're going to get started with our countdown in just a second. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Glad to see you today. We got shut down due to the safer at home orders with Douglas County School District. We moved from yellow to orange today, so we lost our rental contract. And it's so cold and windy, we decided to do church online, but we have some solutions for the coming weeks. I'm looking forward to spending some time worshiping with you and studying God's word. Uh, share this link with a friend, Pastor Wayne H, Facebook.com forward slash Pastor Wayne H, YouTube.com, Pastor Wayne H, Instagram, Pastor Wayne H, LinkedIn, Pastor Wayne H. I'm on Periscope as well. Lots of different social media platforms. We're excited to be worshiping with you today. We're going to start the five-minute countdown. So get your coffee, get a pen, get your Bible, get your praise hands out, and let's get ready to worship Jesus today. It's going to be a great, great time in his house. God, God bless you.
Hey everybody, and there <laughs> it took me by surprise there. We're done with the countdown. Good to see you. I hope you're having a good morning so far. I got something special for you. I got my my electric today. We're gonna try try something a little new with our praise song. So check it out. I will sing, yeah, 
I'm sure everyone in the house and maybe the neighbors can hear me. I got the amplifiers turned up to 11. Hopefully it's not distorting too bad for you guys where you are. And hey, God is in the house today, everybody. Jesus is still on the throne. Whether we have a place to meet or not, we're meeting right here, right now on Facebook Live and YouTube and all these other places. And we're going to worship Jesus and make the best of it today, even though we have to be an online church. Lori, good to see you. Lots of love there. We're rocking out. Yeah, we're rocking it out, man. Like you Can't do that on my acoustic guitar most Sundays. Just thought we'd pull out something special for you today. So uh, <laughs> we're going to sing and enter in. But before we do, let's just invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us on this feed here today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you today as we sing, as we worship, as we study, as we gather online, as we share prayer requests with one another. Lord, I pray that the joy of the Lord would be our strength, that we would remember that no weapon formed against us will, will prosper. We are more than conquerors through you because we know you love us. So God, be with us today in everything we say and everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, if you're watching on a laptop and you have your smartphone, you might still have your song sheet on your, on your photo gallery on your phone. You can follow along with these words. I'm going to do this song called Build My Life, and I love it. And it's kind of has a lot to do with what I'm going to be talking about today. We're talking about the final kings of Israel before the Babylonian captivity. We're talking about Manasseh and Ammon, King Josiah and Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin and Gedaliah. The final kings of Israel before they had to go into a Babylonian exile. It was a tough time for Israel. And we're in a tough time in our nation. We're living with so much uncertainty. But thank God we have a rock that we can build our life on, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to um, gather our guns and our, and our ammo and, our, and muster all our supplies. We can trust that the Lord is going to take care of us. That if he clothes the flowers of the field and sees a sparrow when it falls, he can take care of us too. And so we're going to pray for our nation and all those things before we go today. But first, for sure, let's worship. Let's just build our life on Jesus today and build a throne for him in our hearts now. So Holy Spirit, meet with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of all the breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. We live for you, Jesus, the name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, we live for you. Let's sing that again, worthy of every song. 
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Yeah. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Yeah. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. Worthy. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. And holy, there's no one like you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing yeah. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Jesus the name Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever sing, worthy, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, we live for you, and holy there's no one like you, and holy there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Holy, holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I will build my life upon your love. Trust in you alone, and 
Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you, Jesus the name Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. We live for you. Yes, Lord. We live for you. kicked off my shoes and when God approached Moses at the burning bush he said Moses take off your shoes you're standing on holy ground and uh, maybe you got your shoes off already because you're watching at home but I wonder if we can just make this a very very sacred moment we just invite God to speak into us whatever he needs to give us sometimes we don't even know what we need from God and he knows how to provide it so let's just take a moment. Let's just meditate on his promises and let the Holy Spirit speak to us for a second. Jesus, 
Tim to get come on camera, but Tim, do you have the one-year Bible passage? Can you tell us what it is? Can you punch it in there in the comment section? Let us know what the one-year Bible says, and we will read it. I'll read it out loud. If you'll just punch in the reference, I'll pull it up in my paper Bible here. Let's see. Let me turn up this mic just a little bit so you can hear me better now that I'm now that I'm not blasting my guitar. Do we have a reference there for the one year Bible today, Tim? Or Lori? 
<laughs> You're probably frantically digging around for your one-year Bible. I put you on the spot. Sorry about that. Well, maybe we'll get to it here in a minute. Um, but we need to get into the Word. In our study today, we're going to be looking at um, the book of Second Kings. And we're following along, so welcome everybody. I got my, I got my Bible here on, on Keynote and... I'll be watching your... He's trying? Okay, sounds good. Once you add that reference, Tim, I'll pull it up, and I'll get into I'll get in, into, the, into the scripture study for today. But hey, let's greet one another. Would you wave at somebody, say hello to someone, maybe share this link with someone, say, hey, church started, you can still catch it. My pastor did a crazy thing with an electric guitar today, or share this link with somebody, greet someone online, tell someone that you love them and that you're praying for them and that God has a great plan for their life. And um, I'm going to share some announcements and those kind of things with you. In fact, why don't we do it this way right now? Instead of doing the offering at the end, I'll just say this right now. If you want to support our ministry, you can do it online. You can go to our church website, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. You can also give by envelope. Just uh, write a snail mail letter with your check to the following address to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or you can give your offering by text. If you open your text app and text to this number, 303-625-9434, and punch in the amount of the gift that you want to give. Follow the prompts uh, using your smartphone, and 100% of what you give by text goes directly to the ministry. So make sure and, and just support the ministry. Even though we don't have the high school today, we do have expenses as a church, and so your your tithes and offerings are very much appreciated. Um, in fact, I'll do, I'll do this other video too while I'm while I'm at it. While you're we're searching for that scripture, it's Psalm. Oh, okay, Psalm 113, verse three. Here we go. Psalm 113, verse 3. And I think I've got, yeah, this is the King James Bible. So we're, <laughs> we're going to see how this reads in the King James. But that's okay. In fact, I think I'm, this is a short enough psalm that I'll just, read, I'll just read the whole thing. It says, Praise you, Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwells on high? He humbles himself, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. He raises up the poor from the dust and he lifts up the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman keep house and to be a, a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Awesome, awesome. Psalm 113, verse 3. It's a psalm of praise, a hymn of praise to our God. That's awesome. So we're in the study talking about the kings of Israel, the kings of Israel and Judah. And some of you, uh, when you've been uh, with us the last uh, couple weeks, you saw me bring up this little chart of all the kings of Israel and Judah, um, which shows just kind of the history of the Judean kings and the Israelite kings. And it's a great study. If you want to just know a little bit about Jewish history, uh, seeing how God sums up the lives of these kings, he says, this king did did great, did well in the Lord's sight. This this king did evil in the Lord's sight. 
and these kings' lives are all summed up, whether they did good or whether they did evil. And much of what the, <laughs> the I guess, the measure of their good or evil was idolatry. Did they get put away the, the, the idols of the pagan gods of Baal and Ashtoreth and Molech and, and these gods of the Philistines and of the Amorites and the Edomites and all the other ites surrounding Israel? And we are, we're working our way now through the story of the kings in First and Second Kings and now into Chronicles. And what we see is that uh, the northern kingdom is taken into captivity by Assyria. And then much of the southern kingdom is also decimated by Assyria. But Judah is still intact, and there are kings in Judah. For about another 200 and some years, the kingdom in the south uh, keeps on going, but the kingdom of the north is taken into captivity. And the kingdom of Babylon is, uh, okay, um, my, some of my friends from Minneapolis, my cousins from Minneapolis are messaging me online. Good to see you cousins online. Hope you're able to join us for the Bible study here today. And so we're getting to the end of the dynasty of the kingdom of the south. Last week we wrapped up with talking about Hezekiah and how God gave Hezekiah another 15 years. And then he has a son named Manasseh. And that's where we're going to pick it up today. Manasseh did evil in the Lord's sight. And I'm going to pull up some application points from each of these uh, kings and some of the times that are groups of kings, we'll talk a little bit about the history of these kings and how Israel developed. But the lesson number one from Manasseh is this. Manasseh, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. See, a lot of people start out well, but then they peter out in the end and they give up. Right? The Bible says, or the Apostle Paul says, to, that we should endure to the end that he who endures to the end will receive a crown of righteousness with the Lord, our righteous judge, will award to us on that day. That, But there's no promise for those who give up. There's no promise for those of us who say, oh, this is too hard. I don't feel like serving God anymore. Um, Jesus likened that to like a seed being planted in soil. It springs up for a bit, and then the weeds, the, the cares of this world choke out the seed, and it, and it dies. And we can find that's true for many spiritual people. We started out strong, and then we started to fade away. We stopped believing like we used to believe. We stopped trusting in God the way we used to. And God would have you continue on. What, what uh, Jesus says to John in the book of Revelation is, go back to your first love. Go back and do those things you did in the beginning. Don't, don't forsake your first love. Go back. Fall in love with Jesus again. Do those things you did in the beginning. Read the Bible. Pray. Serve. Give. Do all the things that a disciple of Christ does. And if you'll do that, you'll finish well. Well, Manasseh started out poorly, and he finished strong. I want to read a little bit about the life of Manasseh. It says, this, uh, this is 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 13 through 16, in the New Living Translation now. <laughs> I will judge Jerusalem by the same standard I used for Samaria. And this, with the same measure that I use for the family of Ahab, I will wipe out the people of Jerusalem as one wipes a dish and turns it upside down. And then I will reject even the remnant of my own people who are left, and I will hand them over as plunder for the enemies. For they have done great evil in my sight. They have angered me ever since their ancestors came out of Egypt. So Manasseh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. 
And this was in addition to the sin that he caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's sight. Manasseh started out pretty rough. He, he returned to the Babylonian god, or to these, the gods of Baal and Ashtoreth. He returned to these pagan uh, practices. Even though he had a, a godly dad in Hezekiah, he started doing evil again in the Lord's sight. And God began to judge him for it. Now we, we can fast forward into the book of Chronicles and see what God did to Manasseh to get his attention. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 10 through 13, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner, and they put a ring through his nose, and they bound him in bronze chains, and they led him away to Babylon. But while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before God, the God of his ancestors, and when he prayed, the Lord listened to him, and he was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom, and then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. Now, and that's kind of good news that this son of David, this great grandson, a king of, uh, the, of Israel, that's also a grandson of, of King David, learned that same lesson that David taught us, that if you'll turn God will forgive, that God is, is a, a very loving and gracious and forgiving God. If we'll repent, he'll help us, he'll forgive us, and he'll restore us. And that, that's what happens. Manasseh actually gets restored to his kingdom after repenting. So it's not how you start, it's how you finish. <laughs> you might have a pretty bad beginning, but God can take your, your mess-ups and turn them into miracles. He can take that frown and turn it upside down. He, could, he can uh, do... You take your life that might be a mess and turn it into a message. And that's what happened with Manasseh. Yeah, he was a pretty, pretty bad king. But when he turned to God, he was restored to his kingdom and the kingdom of Israel continued. God did not uh, bring the judgment on Israel like he said he was going to. And he sp spared Israel. See, God is so merciful. He's quick to forgive. He's abounding in love. And that's what we can see over and over again in the Old Testament. So it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Set lesson number two, listen to God's word and obey quickly. So if you're taking notes, Sally, you're probably taking notes out there. If you're writing down these notes, first of all, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Lesson number two, listen to God's word and obey quickly. Listen to God's word and obey quickly. You see, what happened after Manasseh is he had a son that was only king for two years and he would did evil in the Lord's sight. See this pattern of people doing good they rep or they do evil, they repent, they come back to God and then they have a son who does evil and the, the kings of Israel go up and down. The kings of Judah go up and down. And we're close to God then we're far away from God. We love God, now we hate God. And we've seen the same thing in America. We see where America gets hot for the Lord and America loves Jesus and America builds churches and America sending missionaries and suddenly no, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to have internet pornography. We're going to have legalized uh, drugs and alcohol. We're going we're gonna to have prostitution. We're going to have sex trafficking. We're going to do whatever we want to do. And no God in heaven will tell us what to do. We'll behave however we want. Well, guess what? Those things have consequences. And God is a righteous God. He's a holy God. And he is a reforming God. And this, this king named Amnon, he only lived for two years and then he died. God's judgment came upon him. And then there was this young king who was kind of the bright light, kind of the bright hope 
of Judah during the season of their history, his name was Josiah. Josiah, the boy king. He's crowned king at seven years old. When Josiah takes authority of, of the kingship of Israel, he begins to see that, man, my father's really messed this up. The kings really messed this up. The, the kings of northern Israel really messed up. If we need, if we're going to get God's help, we better turn from our wicked ways and we better start following God. And that's what Josiah does. He listens to God's word and he obeys quickly. I want to look at 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 11 through 13. When the king heard, when the, uh, the boy king Josiah, when he heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. And then he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam's son of Shaphan, Akbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the court secretary, and Isaiah the king's personal advisor. He says, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah and inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because of our ancestors have not obeyed the words in the scroll. We have not been doing everything that it says we must do. You know what happened? They were so far from God, they didn't have the Bible anymore. They didn't have the scrolls anymore. No one was reading anymore. Nobody cared about what God's word said. No one had any clue about this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had no clue about the Ten Commandments. They had no clue about the Red Sea Crossing and Joshua and the Judges. They had been so distracted by their own idolatry and following other gods and their own pleasure and their own pursuits and their own ideas that they totally forgot God. And so when this priest, Hil Hilkiah, finds the scrolls in the temple, like, hey, we found the Bible, <sighs> dusted it off, <sighs> Uh, maybe we should read what's in here. Oh, wow. <laughs> we're, we're not doing any of this stuff. <laughs> like, King, we should read this. And Josiah reads the Bible for the first time. And he goes, uh-oh. <laughs> no wonder we're under judgment. No wonder God's mad at us. We're disobeying all of his commands. We're doing all the things that he says not to do. And so Josiah becomes a reformer. He says, no, no, we're going to read this word now. In fact, you all need to know what this thing says. So it would be like a president discovering the Bible after it had disappeared for generations and nobody knew what the Bible said. And suddenly the, 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 the president goes, hey, guess what? We've just found this book. It's the God book. And um, I, it's crazy. We, did, we didn't know what was in it. And now we've been reading it. And I'm going to gather the Congress and the Senate. We're going to gather the Supreme Court, all you governors, all you state leaders. Everyone, we're going to gather in one place and we're going to read this book. And they, they read the first five books of Moses to all the people publicly so that everyone knew what God's book said. Pretty powerful. Matter, I think if we did that today in America, a lot of Americans would not know <laughs> what was written in there. They would be surprised to find out what God asks of us, what he desires. And yet that's why we need the Bible so much. You know, only 80, uh, only 20% of Christians have ever read the whole Bible from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. 80% of Christians have never read the entire Bible. They don't even know what their Bible says. What if your Bible was taken away? What would you do? Hopefully you have it hidden in your heart, hidden in your memory, in your mind, that you know the principles. David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, that I would keep my way pure. That God would, he, his word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That's why we need the Bible. 
because these are confusing times. A lot of people say, oh, this is right and that is wrong and that's wrong and that's right. Well, how do you know what's right and wrong? Because we have a book. God's already told us. <laughs> he's, he's given us the standard of what's right and wrong. So we read the Bible. Just like, like Josiah had everyone in the kingdom reading the Bible. We need to get back there too as in our country as Americans. Lesson number two, you need to purge your house and property of sin. Number three, lesson number three, purge your house and property of sin. Holiness. God is a holy God. He doesn't wink at sin. He doesn't think that sin is no big deal. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man will see God. No man will see God. You're not going to see God without holiness, because God is a holy God. And our sin separates us from God. So we have to get the sin out. We have to begin to purge our lives of the things that are separating us from God so we can hear his voice, so we can enjoy his presence, so we can know his favor. But if we just do our own thing, how in the world do we expect God's blessings? We can't. We can't expect God's blessings if we're not doing life God's way. Without holiness, no man will see God. So there's an element that's important. Now, are you holy by your own good behavior? No. We're holy because of the righteousness that Jesus purchased at the cross, imputed to us by the Holy Spirit. Abraham believed God, and it was credited as righteousness. Now, we, we stumble and we fall, and we, we are not perfect, but when we sin, we need to admit it and say, God, I'm sorry, I've fallen short, please forgive me. You make an amends. If you've lied, you go tell the truth. If you've stolen something, you give it back. If you've been unkind, you apologize. Come on, right? These, these are the spiritual principles of being a spiritually healthy person. And there are Christians that don't live that way. There are lots of people who consider themselves very spiritual person, but they're filled with hate. They're filled with bitterness and anger. They're filled with racism. They're quick to judge. They're, they're quick to speak and slow to listen. They're hard-hearted. They, they don't care about anyone but themselves. They, all they do is seek after their own pleasure. That is sick. That is sin. And we have to get the sin out. We have to get the sin out. And man, that is unpopular talk, right? Because we just we want to be liked. So much of the church has been entertainment for the last 20 years. Many churches are just avoid the talk of sin. We avoid the talk of hell. We, we avoid the talk of judgment because we don't want to offend anybody. We want everybody to like us. Guess what? I'm more concerned about God liking me, God liking my behavior, God approving the steps that my life takes than I am about what some stranger thinks about me. I care more about Jesus' opinion of my life than what someone else thinks. I want, to be, I want God to think I'm cool. I don't care if the world thinks I'm cool or not. You know what God thinks is cool? Holiness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, the Ten Commandments, honesty, hard work, right? All those ethics that we have. God thinks that's really cool. I would rather live a life where God thinks I'm cool than what anybody else thinks. And I hope you feel the same way. So here's what it says in 2 Kings. And so Josiah felt the same way. Josiah said, we have to change our ways. You see, we've been messing up for so long and God's hand of judgment is on Israel. We, get, we have to change or we're in big, big trouble. So Josiah makes the whole nation read the Bible. And then here's what it says in 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 3 through 4. 
It says the king took his place of authority beside the pillar, and he and so he had the the, the scroll of the, the Bible written there, and he's in the temple and he's making this promise. He's renewing the commitment of Israel to follow the Lord their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses. So the king took his place of authority beside the pillar, renewed the the covenant in the Lord's presence, and he pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all of his heart and soul. And in this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. So it's not just enough for a leader to do it, but the nation needs to do it. We all need to say, hey, we have fallen short. We have been offending this God who made us. God, we are sorry. We have messed up. Please forgive us. Help us to turn from our wickedness and turn to righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, Then the king instructed Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second rank and the temple gatekeepers to remove from the Lord's temple all the articles that were used to worship Baal, Asherah, and the powers of the heavens. And the king had all these things burned outside Jerusalem on the terraces of the Kidron Valley. And, and uh, he carried away the ashes to Bethel. So purge your house and your property of sin. Josiah said, we're getting the sin out. We're not going to worship these idols anymore. We're not going to behave this way anymore. We are the God of Israel. We're, we, we have to be different. We have to be different from these other nations. We're not going to worship these idols, these dead <laughs> carved images that can't save us. We're going to worship the one true God who made everything and whose spirit lives inside the hearts of men. And that's true today. A lot of people think of God, they put God on a shelf. They go, I'll, I'll pull out Jesus at Christmas time and put in my, my nativity scene, cute little baby Jesus. No, meek and mild. No, look, listen, Jesus, when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back as a conquering king. He came very meek and humble the first time and very um, very willing uh, to, to bring sinners to repentance. And the next time he comes, he's going to come with a hand of judgment because he's given us every opportunity to repent. He's given us every opportunity to turn from our sin and live. But if we say, no, God, I'll do it my own way. I don't feel like your way. I hate your, your word. I hate your word. I hate your people. I have nothing to do with this God. Guess what? All that's left for you is judgment. All that's left for you is judgment. So we have to purge our house and our property of sin, holiness. So Josiah cleans the temple. He cleans the palace. He cleans Jerusalem. And then he starts going to the north. He starts taking on the other parts of the kingdom that are not even his territory. He goes up into Samaria, this place that actually belonged to the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Josiah said, no, this is actually all God's property. Like, we've read the Bible. This does this not belong to Babylon. This, this land doesn't belong to the Assyrians. This is God's property. We are God's people. We're going to take the land that he gave us. So Josiah starts taking northern land for, his, for Judah that really belonged to the Assyrians. And he starts reforming the north. He starts tearing down the high places in the north. He starts, he goes to Bethel and he tears down the idols in Bethel. He tears down all the, these um, high places in the north where they, for generations, people had been committing sexual sin. They, they would have temple prostitution at all these pagan shrines. And he says, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to rip all this stuff down. So what we find in this lesson, lesson number four, and if you're, again, if you're taking notes, lesson number four, God expands the territory of holy reformers. God expands the territory of holy reformers. 
Josiah says, no, this belongs to God. I belong to God. This nation is God's nation. We're going to start living the way he says. We're not going to do the, this, the things this way anymore. He starts taking territory. 2 Kings uh, chapter 23, verse 15 through 19. The king also tore down the altar at Bethel, the pagan shrine that Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now this is a shrine that had been there for hundreds of years. The pagan shrine that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had made when he caused Israel to sin. He burdened down the shrine and ground it to dust, and he burned the Asherah pole. And because this is a this is a phallus, this is a uh, just a, a sexual shrine where people would come um, as fertility gods, and it was it was just a stronghold of prostitution and sin. Verse 16, then Josiah turned around and he noticed several tombs on the side of the hill and he ordered that the bones be brought out and he burned them on the altar of Baal, uh, of Bethel to desecrate it. And this happened just as the Lord had promised through the man of God when Jeroboam stood beside the, the, the altar in the festival. Um, let me pull this up here. Whoa, lost my verse here. So Josiah turns and he looks up at the tomb of the man of God. Now this is the tomb of Elisha. Elisha had been buried near Bethel. He turned and looked up at the tomb of the man of God who had predicted these things. He says, what is that monument over there? Josiah asked. And the people of the town told him, it is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted the very things that you have just done at Bethel. And Josiah replied, leave it alone. Do not disturb his bones. So they did not burn his bones and those of the old prophet from Samaria. And then Josiah demolished all the buildings at the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria, just as he had done at Bethel. And they had been built by various kings of Israel and it made the Lord very angry. Josiah was a reformer. And because he was a reformer, because he said, you know, we're going to follow God. We're going to start doing things God's way. We're going to get the sin out. We're going to start living holy. We're going to start doing the things that he said to do. We're going to stop doing the things that he's told us all along we need to stop doing. God says, I like that. I like that. I'm going to put my favor on that boy, on that young Josiah. I'm going to give him territory. In fact, I'm going to, re I'm going to, I'm going to reunite the kingdoms that were divided by Jeroboam. You guys remember Judah? in the south, in Israel and in the north were divided. After, after King David and King Solomon, there was a civil war and the kingdoms divided. Well, under Josiah, God says, you get both kingdoms now. Go take them. Just go take them. Just go take them. You don't need permission from the Babylonians. You don't need permission from the Assyrians. You go take my territory. You reunite my people. And of course, he didn't have the military strength to totally get rid of Babylon and the Assyrians, but he was able to take more territory and to do the things that God had called him to do. That brings me to lesson number five. Lesson number five. Remember, remember, God always keeps a remnant. God always keeps a remnant. Things can get pretty bad. <laughs> it can seem like there's nobody who's doing good. It seems like everyone's turning to their own way. No one's following God anymore. No one believes in Jesus anymore. Nobody goes to church anymore. Nobody lives according to the Ten Commandments anymore. I'm all alone. No, no, guess what? There are other people. There are other people. There are thousands. And I think in our country, there are millions of people who still love Jesus. There are millions of people who still believe God, God's word, the Bible, and they will try to live their lives according to it. There are millions of people who are still doing the right thing. So don't, don't feel like, oh, I'm the only one. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. 
God has reserved a remnant, and he always preserves a remnant because it's through his remnant that he can redeem all of the rest. It's kind of like that yeast when you put into yeast into a dough to make a loaf of bread. That little bit of yeast can leaven the whole thing. That righteous people can redeem a whole nation. You remember when Abraham was negotiating with God for Sodom and Gomorrah? He says, hey God, if there's just even 10 righteous people there, would you spare the whole city? Or just even for 10 people, would you save the whole city? And God goes, yeah, yeah, I'd do it. But you're not going to find 10. <laughs> and there weren't even 10 righteous people in these twin towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. We have way more than 10 righteous people in America. And I, I think that God, not only will he spare America, but I think he's going to bring America to a place of reform. He's going to bring our country to a place where we come back to God. And we're not going to let people kick God out of the public square anymore. We're not going to allow people to insult our Savior anymore. We're not going to allow people to trample on our beliefs anymore. We're going to say, look, you know, I believe what I believe, and you can believe what you want to believe, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and I'm not going to let you insult my church. I'm not going to let you insult my God. We are going to, you, you do you, and we're going to do us, but you, you, get, you get your hands off of us and we're, so we can worship it in peace. And that's how this country was established, this, this freedom of religion, right? The freedom, the First Amendment is still true. The Second Amendment is still true. That Congress shall pass no law infringing upon them the right of people to freely assemble and to, to worship their God in the way that they choose. And so that is still true. The Constitution is still in full effect. So God has a plan. He has a plan for his church. He has a plan for his church worldwide. And he has a plan for Christians in our country. And I think he's reforming us. I think he's starting to reform this country. And it's very painful. Reformation can be very, very painful. But God is good. And we can trust him. So we have to remember that God always keeps a remnant and he's, he's preserved a remnant in Israel. And so what happens are these puppet kings begin to, to just tip one after the other. There are puppet kings from Egypt, there are puppet kings from Babylon, and they're unrighteous people. And we get to the, to the wicked kings uh, at the end and one king in particular named Zedekiah. I want to get into my paper Bible here and talk a little bit about it. Um, the, the first puppet king was Jehoahaz, who was a puppet of, of Egypt, and he only reigned for a short time. And then you had Jehoiakim, and then Jehoiachin, and then Zedekiah. And the fall of Jerusalem was a terrible, terrible thing. It was one of the most painful episodes in Israeli history, and still is. The temple was destroyed. And I'll read from 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 27 through 30. Um, in fact... I'll back it up to verse uh, 1 of, of 2 Kings 25. So on January 15th, during the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon led his army against Jerusalem. They surround the city, and they built siege ramps against its walls, and Jerusalem was kept under siege until the 11th year of King Zedekiah's reign. In July 18th, the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, the famine in the city had become so severe, and the last of the food was entirely gone, and the... Uh, section of the city wall was broken down. Since the city was surrounded by, by Babylonians, the soldiers waited for nightfall and escaped through the gate between the two walls behind the king's garden. And they headed towards the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased the king and overtook him on the plains of Jericho, for his, for his men had all deserted him and scattered. They captured the king. And they took him to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And there they pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. They made Zedekiah watch as they slaughtered his sons, and then they gouged out Zedekiah's eyes, 
and they bound him in bronze chains and they led him away to Babylon. Now that's a pretty sad episode. It's the last king before the Babylonian exile. Thankfully, God has restored Israel. He's brought Israel back to the land and Israel is once again a nation. And thank God that he's, he's preserved Israel. And there, the, there's still a son of David on the king of, of the throne. We know him as Jesus, the king of kings and Lord of lords. David's throne has been established forever through the person of Jesus Christ. And so we see that even in the difficult time, there's still hope. God preserves a remnant. And so here's what the, it says uh, at the end of 2 Kings. It says, hope for Israel's royal line. In the 37th year of the exile of King Jehoiachin of Judah, evil Moradak ascended to the Babylonian throne and he was kind to Jehoiachin and he released him from uh, prison on April 2nd of that year. And he spoke kindly to Jehoiachin and he gave him a higher place than all the other exiled kings in Babylon. And he su supplied Jehoiachin with new clothes to replace his prison garb and to allow him to dine in the king's presence for the rest of his life. And so the king gave him a regular food allowance as long as he lived. You see, David's son continued as a king. He was a king in captivity, but he was still a king of God's people. And what I have to say is we have to remember God will preserve a remnant. He knows how to take care of us, even when things seem out of control, even when things seem outrageous and we don't know what's going to happen next. God does. God knows what's going to happen next. And I want to read this parable that Jesus said. He talked about two, two men. A wise man and a foolish man. That a wise man built his house upon a rock, but a foolish man built his house upon sand. And I want to read this from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. It says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is like a wise, is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. What we have to remember is God has a plan. He has a plan for America. He has a plan for your life and mine. God is not, God is not uh, upset or, or fearful. God is not confused. God knows what we need. And he knows exactly what we need when we need it. Can I tell you your greatest need? You might think the greatest need is to get your way or to have the election turn out the way you want it to or for your business to reopen if you're a part of the shutdowns or you're worried about the money or you're worried about COVID-19. Can I tell you, your biggest problem is not COVID-19 or the presidential election. Your biggest problem is sin because sin separates you from God. And Josiah knew that. He, he realized we're in big trouble because we've turned our back on God. What do you need to do? How do you, how do you make that right? Well, you have to start building your life. Stop building your life on sinking sand. You have to stop building your life on your own pleasure. Stop building your life on what this world thinks is important. What does this world think is important? Well, this world thinks uh, that pleasure is important or that fame is important or that money is important or uh, getting your way is always important. No, guess what? What's most important to God is that we know him that we love him, that we serve him, and that we 
we become his ambassadors of love and peace and joy of the kingdom to other people. And because God made us to be with him. God created us to have a friendship. And Jesus came to, to tear down the dividing wall between us and God. See, our sins separate us from God. God is holy. And he can't hang out with sin. He's not just going to wink at your bad behavior. He says, no, we got to get the sin out. we got to change this for you. Because this sin is killing you. It's killing you. You need to turn to me and live. And sins can't be paid for by doing good deeds. You're not going to, you're not going to write a big check to the church and that's how you get your sins forgiven. No, no, you're going to give money to the poor or oh, sorry, I'm going to clean up my, my act. I'm going to stop drinking so much. I'm going to stop cussing. No, no, no. Good behavior is not going to save you. Paying the price for our sins, Jesus died and rose again. Jesus already paid the price for your sin and mine. What does he ask of us? He asks of us to believe on him, to repent, turn from our sin, and invite him to be the leader, to be the Lord, to be the one who calls the shots in our lives. Everyone, anyone who trusts in Christ can have eternal life, and it begins the moment you say yes, the moment you turn the keys of your life over to, to Jesus say, okay, you're in charge now. You're in charge. I'm going to start listening to what you said. I'm going to start reading your word. I'm going to start obeying you. When you do that, Jesus comes in, and his Holy Spirit comes in. And he helps you, and he helps me. Maybe you know somebody who needs to hear this gospel message. Maybe just share the tail end of this message with somebody. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to give your life to Jesus? I hope so. Maybe you prayed the prayer of salvation years ago, but you have not been living with Christ as the Lord of your life, and you want to say yes to him now. You want to renew that commitment. You say, God, I don't know how much time we got left, considering the political climate and what's been happening with you know, uh, COVID-19 and weather and meteors and earthquakes and all the crazy things that are happening. God, I need you in my life. Yeah, yeah, you do. So do I. We all need him. So... Will you pray this prayer of commitment to Christ if you're ready to make him the boss and have him forgive you of your sin? Say this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead and died in my place according to the scriptures. Please come into my heart, be my Savior, and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you've turned over the ownership of your life to God. You said, okay, I'm not my own anymore. God, I belong to you. I'm going to let you call the shots in my life. If you'll do that, your whole life will change. Probably the, the friends you keep will change. Kind of like Josiah. You have to start getting the sin out. You start saying, I'm, get, I'm not going to watch this anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to drink like that anymore. I'm not going to talk like that anymore. I'm going to start living in a way that, that would please and honor God. And if you'll do that... He'll, he's going to surround you with his power, with his love. He's going to give you the ability to do what you couldn't do before. Supernatural power. The ability to, to love and to serve God. The ability to walk in, in holiness. When you wanted to be holy before, you couldn't do it. But once you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he gives you the power to overcome. So proud of you if you prayed that prayer. Please let us know that you did pray the prayer. Just connect with us here on, on comment, or if you need a Bible, just text in Bible, and uh, we'll give you, uh, uh, we, we can send you a one-year Bible by, by snail mail. We'll ship it to you if you need, or come uh, visit us on a Sunday morning. So I want to show you 
I just talked with a, a pastor friend of mine uh, from Kansas, and he's doing something called Pop-Up Church. And I'm thinking about trying to do that, something like that here in Castle Rock. We need someone with land that would let us use it on the weekends. Um, some hay bales, and maybe we, we convert one of the church trailers into an outdoor stage. I want you to see this little video from the Pop-Up Church, and maybe we can brainstorm some ways to make that happen so that shutdowns don't lock us down like this anymore. Check out this uh, little video from Kansas. called the Gathering Pop-Up Church. And uh, Brandon Eck, he's, he went to New Life School of Worship down in Colorado Springs, and I've been knowing him for a long time. Anyway, I think that we could do something similar to that here in Castle Rock. So if some of you want to help me brainstorm that idea, we need, we need a piece of land, maybe some space heaters, some hay bales, and we can create a stage on the, maybe the weekends where people can come and have church. Um, so I've been investigating places in town where we, we can do that. Um, so glad you joined me today. Thank you for being a part of our worship and the message. And uh, here's a support video, and I'll see you later on this week online. God bless you guys. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you, be gracious upon to you, and lift his countenance upon you, and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.